Hey, Film Files, what's going on? It's Tuesday and we got another movie for you. I'm glad you found us. And uh, we have a regular and we have a special guest in our studio tonight talking about our film, uh, which is a stew choice. He chose woot Seven woot. Seven Samurai. Yes. Now is the time for the woot woot. Woot woot. So uh, that's Stu, and uh, our other guest is named... Dakota. Yes. Coolman. So, yeah. so Hi. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hello. I couldn't Hi. have made that any more awkward. Yeah. Uh, awkward. So we'll do our little intro, and then I'll um, say we'll some more back. awkward shit. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Stay with us. This is Movie Show Theater. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What do you want? You want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around and pull it down. What's your favorite scary movie? You've never seen a grown man naked? Okay. Bottle of cheap, stinking chip oil! You warthog-faced... Half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder! This is... Theatre. So, uh, Dakota's joining us tonight. He's uh, another fellow local filmmaker that uh, joined me this weekend for the... Um, Peoria did their first annual 48-hour... Film Festival, and they held the screenings on Saturday at the Riverfront uh, Museum, and it was a good time. Yeah, and the Minimax. Not really an IMAX, it's just a half half a max. Yeah, I I don't know who coined the giant screen theater, but they make it sound more appealing than IMAX. Truly. But it it was really awkward because the screen is completely square. Yeah. Is it? So Mm -hmm. most of the films that were... uh, Yeah, like... uh, most of the films look like they were submitted in the 16-9 ratio. Oh, yeah. So I thought maybe just the middle section would be used and they would just letterbox everything. No, yeah. they used full frame with every single feature. And wow. There seemed to be a lot of technical difficulties on Saturday, too. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I felt bad. There was one guy whose the entire sound from his film was not there. And so the curator was like, we're going to go, not the curator, but the MC for the night said, well, we're going to go ahead and show it anyway, which I assumed that uh, it was probably not the uh, director's fault. Cause no, definitely not, because they got the sound to work um, at the end. They decided to show it again. Yeah. And they got it to work. Which was cool. Um, yeah, there were a lot of really, really good ones, and it was a fun experience for mm-hmm. sure. And uh, But anyway... Anyway, I digress. Tonight is a movie that we've been uh, holding up our sleeves for like three months now. Something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's called, been a while. Uh, yeah. It's it Stu's Choice. It's called Seven Samurai. It's from 1954. Uh, Stu, wh- wh- why Why did you choose Seven Samurai? Oh, oh, uh, 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 a plethora of reasons. A plethora. I would hate to think that you would say a plethora no, no. only to find out that... El guapo, I know what plethora means. I kinda it means into, a lot. <laughs> I kind of went into guapo. Bobcat Goldthwait for a minute. I know. that's. Yeah, <laughs> Why would you well, say a plethora when you don't even know what it means? <laughs> no, there are a lot of reasons. Actually, because uh, just about all the, the uh, hero combination films that we have now are stemmed from Seven Samurai. I mean, Magnificent Seven... Hmm. And and all of its incarnations and everything else are all stem from that. Plus, you know, you you come down to even all the, your 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 buddy films and the uh, even the most recent uh, Avengers films. Mm-hmm. All it is is bringing together a bunch of misfits to protect a community from an incursion of bad guys. And so here we have it in the simplest form. It is a collection of samurai some samurai some well one in particular not so much but or or questionable if coming you will. of age samurai mm-hmm. it truly coming of age samurai but what it boils down to is just a, a a few coming together to help the the many against the impossible and it truly 
it truly, for me, sums up a lot of the films that are out there right now, at least adventure films. Because, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't have it. You wouldn't have Avengers or X Men or or you know the Magnificent Seven, the mm-hmm. newest one, you know, without without the Seven Samurai. Because I I believe that firmly it put into place the um, it, it put into place the model for this type of film. So. I feel like Tolkien maybe. Kind of pulled a lot from that too. Yeah, oh, I oh, I yeah, no. Oh, oh, well, like he might Hobbit not have. And... He might not have taken from that, but I'll, I'll be, I'll guarantee you, it's in the same influenced. vein. Oh, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's in the same vein mm-hmm. because it truly is. Uh, you know, they're bringing together of quote unquote misfits to defend a realm. You know, and uh, again, it, it without Kurosawa, I don't think that a lot of those films ever would have made it to print, even. You know, mm-hmm. because. It, it. I mean, we love reading about the the underdog story. We love seeing the underdog story. Kurosawa was one of the first who did it the right way, in my opinion. And the first time I saw it, yes, and it's an it is an excruciatingly long movie. And there's probably about forty five minutes to an hour that you could cut out of it and still have a really great movie. But again, it it's beautifully filmed. It's beautifully scripted. It's when you watch it, you you're not watching. In my opinion, you're not watching a um, Japanese movie. You're watching an every man movie. You yeah, know? you're watching a mm-hmm. an every town, every city, every country movie. You're not just watching a Japanese film. You're watching something that could happen and is happening and does happen everywhere. So, yeah, that's one of the primary reasons why I chose this film because I. I think it absolutely uh, fostered the adventure movement in the United States and across the world. I mean, without a doubt. Yeah, I feel like you might not know it. Watching it after years of of watching this genre that has seemingly existed forever, but the idea of, like you said, the everyman coming together uh, to fight for the greater purpose is something that we see a couple times a year. Oh yeah, and, uh, you know. Well, you know, from and, Dirty Dozen to Ocean's Eleven. To oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, well, it, yeah, all of those films, you know, they they bring together a, 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 a again a plethora <laughs> of, uh, of of individuals of varying talents and abilities and everything else that add to the whole. And even the townspeople, they learn to be cohesive. They learn to defend themselves. They learn. Yeah, they've got the samurai to back them up. Yeah, they've got the samurai to. Uh, you know, give them spine, but it ends up being the townspeople who end up really, truly defending the town in the in the end. I mean, without the villagers, you're not going to have a film because the samurai wouldn't have a necessity. Good or English, do I necessities? Yes, necessity to be there. But you know, again, yeah, love it. But it's great. It's George Lucas's favorite. So it was directed by Akira Kurosawa. And uh, it's funny because it was, I think, number 20, 20th greatest, greatest film of all time. Greatest film of all from time. From Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. Must have uh, been a great weekend for everybody. Who None of us can speak. Good oh. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it really plays out like a Western. And I it guess does. that was a, mm-hmm. a large uh, critique because uh, it wasn't received real well in Japan. No, it wasn't received well at first And that at was all one of the big, the it big was, problems. Uh, but, but oh, but see, that's the beauty of it because it, they were there are and at that time they were still entrenched in that um, the uh, imperial culture, the the culture of the the royalty still being uh, paramount over the peasant. You know, I mean, even even in that early early time, or that you know, it's still the twentieth century, but they were still imperials at that mm-hmm. point. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, they had a hard time. They had a hard time recog- not just recognizing, but reconciling themselves to the fact that these Ronin is what they ended up being, which were you know renegade, renegade warriors, samurais, yeah. renegade samurai who who showed up to help these people. They, they had a hard time reconciling that with their own ideals, at least the cultural ideals of the time, even though. If you look back at all of what the Japanese culture has done over the years, this is to the heart of Japanese culture. It mm-hmm. truly is a 
strong looking out for the weak sort of culture. It really, truly is. And and the imperialism that took over for so long just dashed that, 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 that idea of samurai. Now, granted, there were samurai lords that were just as imperialistic and awful as as what might be perceived as, as today's monarchs and whatnot. But overall, the samurai were were viewed as people of justice. They were the they were the gunslingers of their time. They were the they were the lawmen. They were the ones who set to right the wrongs for the most part. And and because of that this resonated with me when I saw it the first time because I was like, oh, my God. I've, I saw, in, in, in all honesty, I saw The Magnificent Seven first before I saw Seven Samurai, okay? And uh, I, honestly, Mag- Magnificent Seven doesn't, the original with, you know, Yul Brenner and the, the uh, Charles Bronson doesn't hold a candle to the mag or to the Seven Samurai, it doesn't hold the candle to it, in my opinion. And yet, it was still a wonderful film on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, again, coming back to the idea of of a small group of people, uh, you know, gathering together to defend themselves against a larger enemy, it it, it holds a visceral, visceral sense that is truly appealing to most people, and that appeals to me. And in that setting, in that place, at that time, oh, it's just a wonderful thing. I think I think it's phenomenal. The humor was really interesting. I feel like in most <laughs> Japanese humor was phenomenal films, too. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, and intentional, and I think just um, Japanese film actors have a very theatrical stage presence, and are just, I, I guess, innately kind of over the top and. Exaggerated to begin with. It was almost kabuki theater like. It was. It there was were... almost like oh, the grand gestures and the outrageous facial expressions and the and everything that that makes you look the stage and keeps you enraptured by the stage. They were almost doing that every single scene, and, yeah. and so that that in and of itself was enough to draw you in. Yeah, was, whether you liked it or not, you were your eyes were drawn to it. It had to been drawn to it. Yeah, I, th- I think that kind of helps you to uh, palette the incredible length because the oh, characters. Yeah. I mean, the the humor, whether it's accidental or not, it doesn't detract from the story because the story is great, and the story. Um, well, I was thinking of the drunkard when they're inside oh, God, and yeah. everybody's chasing him around. It's like, oh, my God, this is like Keystone Cops. It truly was. It's like Marx yeah. Brothers Keystone well, it's Cops. It's the same era. It truly is yes. the same era. So this was 1954, and uh, the U.S. was still huge in film noir and Rear Window and Mutiny on the Bounty. And so I think this was probably a pretty fresh uh, – page to turn because a lot of those it was out but Japan they were they, but, but ja- you have to consider though japanese the J- japanese culture was just coming out of world war ii i mean they were immersed in, in the greatest rebuilding they had ever uh, well they'd ever encountered ever and and to have a film of this magnitude come out that truly i think showed rural japanese culture at its height with the samurai, with the idea of the samurai, was one of the most brilliant things that Kurosawa could have done of all times because it, I think it brought the Jap- – whether it did well in Japan or not, I think ultimately it brought the Japanese culture together because I, I think it, it, it showed them what they were, what they are at the heart, truly at the heart versus what the imperialistic – Japanese culture was trying to put out on them, and and particularly after you know Nagasaki and Hiroshima, I mean, come on, they needed a little hope, and this showed them that hey, you've got a strong culture, you've got a good culture, you've got a culture that not just has good values, but at the very core, at the very core, it's what all human beings yearn to be like. To protect the innocent, to be good to one another, and ultimately to sacrifice for something greater than yourself. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that really, truly was shown in this film. Yeah, there are a couple scenes that really, really stood out. Uh, the first one is when the thief 
took mm. the little boy mm. or the little girl, I can't remember, into the it barn. It was a little boy. It was a little, little boy, boy yeah. and, and held up this uh, boy in this barn and the whole village, which, by the way, Akira came up with an entire registry for all 101 residents. Oh, I know. All actors, yeah. yeah. And he established this fictional family tree uh, to just get a better sense of who these these villagers are. You know, even these people that have no lines are on screen for you know, 10, 15 seconds. I mean, now it's commonplace to have that sort of like pre-production planning. But I mean, in 1954, I can't imagine that. Yeah, exactly. The the only time you ever would have heard of anything like that would have been maybe a Cecil D. B. DeMille film Mm -hmm. like Cleopatra or The Ten Commandments or something like that where he might have spent the time to write the backstory of every extra that happened to walk across the street. But the the fact of the matter is this, is that Kurosawa gave everything depth. Mm-hmm. You weren't just looking at a two-dimensional thing that was playing before you. Everything had a story. All of the characters had a story. And I, I thought that was wonderful. They had names. They had a purpose. They had reason to be there. And and it showed. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways it showed. And that's what makes – again, we come back to the length of the film. But that's what makes it such a film that you could watch – and yet not think that you're sitting there watching a three-and-a-half-hour film or whatever it ended up being. Yeah, Yeah. so the boys in the barn, the villagers are all gathered around. Absolute hysteria. Everybody's looking to their left. Everybody's looking to the right, trying to find somebody that – trying to find that one hero who's going to do something, but it, it, nobody is, is doing anything. And so this lone samurai just makes the move. He goes into the barn, and they show people's – faces and they show the reaction they don't show the conflict inside this shed which i think is amazing and that's (laughs) another thing that's hugely influenced now oh yeah because what you're imagining is so much more action-packed and so much more suspenseful uh than what they would have been able to pay for and what they would have been able to show so this guy saves the day saves the boy so aside from the boy being saved he like inspires the village and it just takes that one person you know oh, the yeah. whole like be the difference you want to see in people that and, were, and like, the beauty of this film the beauty of this film is just that it's just like all all of the old uh, all of the old uh, uh, horror films Dracula Frankenstein you don't see Dracula ever bite ever you bite just you just sense. see his face you just mm-hmm. see the the intensity you see the the beauty of the scenery, you see everything up until that point, but you don't see the action. Mm-hmm. It's left to your imagination. And that's what, even throughout the entire film, there are very few full-on, what I would call, sword fights in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And this is a samurai film. Right. You know, there are very few. All you see, for the most part, are the villagers... You know, with their spears or the one or two of the sword, you know, of the samurai with their swords. But very seldom do you actually see them engaged in anything that you would call an actual duel or a fight. A- anything that lasts longer than a couple of seconds at least. Because in reality, you have somebody who knows how to use a sword. You have somebody who doesn't know how to use a sword. That fight is not going to last long. That fight is going to be... 10 seconds long tops and i think that's also another beautiful thing of this is is that he kept it real i mean it's not like okay and i like this film don't get me wrong but the last samurai with tom cruise Mm. and and, okay i love that film i think it's wonderful i mean and and this was right when tom cruise was starting to edge towards the top of the rainbow where he's just Evans. about to take the slide down the other side, right? The insanity rainbow. Yeah, the insanity rainbow, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, I personally felt that that film was so much fun to watch because – and and I watched that after Seven Samurai, obviously, because it's the same sort story basically with the exception that it's now just the people – just the samurai within the village including one gaijin, you know, one American who's going to then – Turn the tide of progress. It's it's rural community versus progress, and and who survives? Well, it ends up being luckily rural community survives and holds off progress for a little while longer. But again, 
in that film, what made it interesting was that even the the true fights in that film, they showed one fight. The one fight where he he plays out the entire fight in his mind before the fight actually occurs. Okay, beautifully shot. Truly beautifully shot. Yeah, I got a lot of things to talk about. There's the cinematography. A, I mean, Stunning. beautifully shot. So, you, you you watch him, you watch Cruz's character think about what's going to happen, and then the actual fight. Could they have just done a shot of his face, and then all of the guys around him falling down as he ended up in that final pose? And would that have been enough? Me personally, I think that would have been enough. That would have harkened back to the old Kurosawa idea where, you know, you don't have to show the actual fight. You have to show the intent of the person and the warrior and then the outcome. And the outcome was never in doubt at that point with him. I mean, you knew he was going to kick ass and take names. You didn't need to see the whole thing. And yet they actually went through it twice. They went through it once in slow motion and once in full time. And both were great. I'm not going to complain that they were there, but could they have left all of that out and had him imagine it in slow motion once and then just have him at the end? And would that have been enough? My argument is yes, because quite frankly, that would have been enough. And it would have held truer to some of the previous, I think, samurai movies that had come out over the years. You know, I mean, uh, uh, the whole the whole concept of the samurai is to, just like anything else in the martial arts, is to teach yourself how to fight so that you never have to fight. Right. You never have to use it. And yet, in some of this, it's it got lost, but. Uh, but that's the beauty of Seven Samurai, though, because a lot of it is them sitting around talking about what they're going to do, why they're going to do it, and how they're going to do it. And ultimately, it is all on the villagers to really put up the defenses, to really provide the defenses. It's just these Seven Samurai who are there to help give them a little backbone. So I hope that all made sense. Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah okay, no, it good. did. I, I feel right, like yeah. not having the combat there, I mean, mm-hmm. in very, very sparing with the combat, helps to remind you that it's not about the action. Mm-mm. The action is fun. The action oh, is yeah. great. And too much these days, it's like relies on that. And Versus a lot of good story, which is starting to kind of, you know, dissipate and kind of get lost. It's either oh, a lot of time. I mean, at least no, in absolutely. the studio film market, like the big they're, major studio. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're either trying is. to make the story too complicated because they're expecting the audience to be, you know, getting gradually smarter and smarter, and they're just trying to throw a lot of curveballs. Which, when you couple that with bad editing, too, oh, that yeah. that kind of really gets. In the, I mean, there's um, some of that. Yeah, I hate bringing it up. Look like Batman versus Superman. Batman versus oh. Superman oh. is a would be a good story. But for some reason, the editing is one of those things that kind of got in the way. Yeah. And I, again, I think it's, that, yeah, we're, that's a whole other podcast. But yeah, oh, I yeah, can't but, argue with that at um, all. Yeah. But looking at, um, I just want to piggyback off something real quick with. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. You were talking about how kind of the imperialism yeah. at that time was what I thought was really cool about the differentiation between kind of the rural community and the imperialism that oh, they were yeah. trying to impart was the, the, like the sheer fact that they, at that time, you have to think that back to what you were saying about us being kind of more into noir films, and a lot of our <laughs> movies are starting to like really kind of veer off into more um, gangster films and stuff like that. We were really starting to create very poetic villains. That was a very oh truly thing. oh yes and I think absolutely one of the things that's an excellent that the point. Imperial kind of element of that was that you got to think Ronin were technically criminals. Technically, and that's yeah, yeah, by, that without a doubt. So, um, one one of the things that made that so Western was these are these are bandits that they are turning into heroes. And I think from a political standpoint, looking at the propaganda of that, people would have a very you know they'd be like, no, 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 no. that's that's inappropriate. Absolutely, because you're yeah. you're taking technically historical criminals and making them into heroes and it's like my thought yeah, but my thought about and you are spot on by the way my thought about that then at that period of time is that there are people that at that time were like oh oh this is totally how i feel about our lives 
Yeah. We, I feel that I'm being completely manipulated, completely maneuvered, completely changed by our, our governmental structure. And yet, who are our heroes at this point? There were none at that point. So what did they do? They turned to the Ronin. They turned to to those that were of shady character, if you will, at least by the governmental standards. Yeah, to, one, for, one man's terrorist is another a, man's freedom fighter. Amen. Yeah. That is the point right then and there. You know, and so and then but that that theme continues to resonate all throughout all of our culture right now. Yeah. We continually look to the bad guy to help us. It was the original vi- vigilante. Oh yeah, the, the good guy, bad, the anti-hero, the, the anti-hero. Oh, and now it, and it's, yeah. it really permeates TV. And I remember it starting. Well, I don't know if it started with, but Tony Soprano was one of the first all-American <laughs> anti-heroes that truly. I can remember. Yeah, oh yeah, no, mm-hmm. truly. And Danny McBride and everything he does. I was watching that movie, oh. the new HBO show, Vice Principals, that is a lot like Eastbound and Down, okay. where he's this asshole for all intents and purposes, and just. A, a a bad person, um, but when he walks, they show him very stylized and slow motion. They pick a very appropriate, appropriately badass song to play. He slowly puts on sunglasses, and like suddenly we're like rooting for him, and we want him exactly. to do well. <laughs> I know. You know, and I love in Seven Samurai when the one of the villagers is so worried that one of the Ronin is going to run off with his daughter that he tries to force her to shave her head. Uh. And they're all just talking about how they're all criminals and don't you know who the Ronin are? And ironically, she does run off with that samurai or fall in love with that samurai. Fall in love with them anyway, yeah. So I think kind of paying respect to Japanese culture and, you know, these very uh, deeply rooted ideals like uh, family and loyalty and... um, you know, but still kind of having fun with it too, and like finding that line, like what can I kind of poke fun at while not oh, sure. mocking my own culture? You know. Well, it, but again, if you come back to it, it, they they have to poke fun at their own culture at at, at some certain, certain certain point, because what do we love to see? We love to see our ideals get crumbled and crushed and 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 thrown aside and made fun of. We see it all the time in film. People want good story. They want entertainment. They want true entertainment. If they wanted to take a more, you know, I mean, you're right. He really stayed true to a lot of the, you know, there were a lot of cultural references. Oh, huge cultural references. Like real, uh, just trying to figure out a good way to put it, real golden points of staying true to historical references. And, um, but at the same time, there is this kind of innate ability to take and it wasn't a documentary. It wasn't meant no, to be no. a documentary. No, 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 it was not. No, entertain. you're absolutely right. He understood yeah. right there and then that, listen, we're, He took we're, a great deal of license with the everyday life yeah. of the Japanese peasant, at least at the early early 1900s. That's mm-hmm. when this was ideally set, you know. But then he you had t- a lot of that kind of like start veering to, you're right, we were starting to get further into the 20th century. Exactly. He realized it was time for them to catch up at least as far as the the method of storytelling. Oh, and yeah. And he was starting to really see that. I mean, not just in the Japanese culture, but I mean, look at around that time, um, as far as Asian culture goes, you also had Bruce Lee who was really starting to... Oh, yeah. Well, like, he, he had just came on, he had just come on the scene well, very soon afterwards, let's yeah. put it that way, because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he uh, uh, absolutely – no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, was it was like one of those yeah. things that um, – like Bruce Lee, actually, he started he started getting more into film you know, after a certain point, but he went to America and was starting to be like, no, 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 we need to change. Uh, listen, all the – our culture is important, but at the same time, it was just like all of his teachings too. Everything has to adapt. Absolutely. Everything has to adapt. Everything Um, did, yep. Because at this point, you know, it's the turn of the century where we are really starting to evolve. We just got past one of the, you know, the, the, you know, it's not the Great War, but it's definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, World War II, you have to admit. Oh, oh, no, it was was a seminal moment in in human history, period. And And with that, it was just like, I, I just thought there was something really cool. Especially, I want to really tap into really quick the cinematography oh god there was something how gorgeous was this you know what watching watching it uh, there's there's something that 
I kept looking at it. I'm like, man, how are they, how are they actually doing some of that? Then. Then. Like, there was versus some very, today. Very, right. Uh, uh. Some of the shots. There's one of those shots to where it was a deep of focus shot to where the character started running into, like, into frame with the sword. Right. But he was in focus the entire time, which is that's no, it's hard to do. That's a difficult shot to do now, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you are, you know, you're trained and you got the big heavy equipment and stuff. You're doing that like on a DSLR, and you just, hey, I don't have a follow focus, so we just got to do this by hand, right? In fact, he was being able to do that with the equipment that he had, the people that he had, the people that he had filming this picture were masters (laughs) at their art. They were without a doubt some of the pinnacles at their art at that particular time now whether it was whether it was because they all came together at the right moment and became that way or whether it was just just happenstance i don't know but at that point you're absolutely right they came together and made something that was beautiful just just truly visually stunning yeah i think whether you realize it or not at the time i mean cinematography you know, it was kind of like the whole idea of visual storytelling. And so it's, you made an interesting point when you said that it's entertainment and people want entertainment because a really good story is not necessarily entertaining. And I can think of a lot of films, movies, whatever, that have really good stories or really good plots that are not entertaining. So, like, uh, for me, the yeah, like you said, the camera work is amazing. The lighting was incredible. Mm. In a lot of the forest scenes at night, was, oh god, was when there thing. was no fire, no, yeah. no I mean, fire even at with all. The no. fire, but I remember when when they did Django. A lot of the desert scenes at night were filmed inside, and they have basically this in, in huge artificial moon, and they've kind of mastered uh, natural looking light uh, at night inside. A studio, so I'm sure a lot of Seven Samurai was filmed inside as well. But sure. I've never seen night scenes that looked so natural. No, they mm-hmm. they were gorgeously done, and you, they they were believable. Yes, exactly. Believable. That's the key. There there are night scenes that are done even today that are not believable. You know that somebody's <laughs> somebody some it's, it's not. pitch and dark. Some of them are not supposed to it's be. It's pitch mm-hmm. dark off the side, and yet the 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 lead actors. Are fully in view. I mean, yeah. come on, and and that 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 when that sort of thing happens, it tears me out of the story. It tears me away from the magic. It tears me away from the idea that I'm watching something that is truly real. Seven Samurai. What I don't know what or how they did it, but it kept me in that world while I was there. I believed every single frame that it was actually lighted that way. Mm-hmm. It was actually real. I never felt tricked. And never felt tricked. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. I, I never felt tricked. One of the interesting things about that is that, especially at that time, we're, we, it was interesting that you brought up the Kabuki Theater because one of the big things, especially with how we were still shooting, like look at the Marx Brothers and a lot of the Universal Studios horror films and stuff like that were still being filmed like you couldn't break the 180 rule because no, it had no, to be it was no. on a set to almost you were basically just filming a play mm-hmm. exactly you know? no that's exactly this, correct yeah the way they filmed this especially with some of those the running scenes in particular mm-hmm. to where they were still able to get you know items in between the camera and the actor to where actually the speed and the accuracy of the speed where they're like doing a lot of those running shots and to be able to capture that movement Oh yeah, at that time was that was just amazing. It was truly amazing, yeah. and that, that, I think that was one of the things that, like you said, was that what really kind of captures your imagination and keeps it is the fact that, again, with something that's like the Marx Brothers, it you can clearly tell it's a big set, and it's this a farce didn't too. feel yeah. like this was no, a set. absolutely not. Which was interesting because it's not a farce, but it still had that element of humor that they were able to. Oh no, there was know, so much humor project. in this. I love the humor in this too, because it's and it's not even the. It's the it's not just the goofy villagers, your typical ignorant, dumbass villagers. You've got even the the humor in the the samurai themselves, the mm-hmm. ronin themselves. They're human. They are the they are true characters. And and okay, Jimmy asked me earlier today get just a little tidbit of trivia. <clears throat> I have one little tidbit of trivia. Which of the samurai 
which of the seven had never picked up a sword before being cast as a samurai. In oh my god, Seven I don't samurai. remember any of their names. Um, no, no, just I, I can describe him for you and you will know who I'm talking about. Which one do you think? As I drink the last of our, my sodi. <laughs> I'm going to go with our drinker friend. The, the drinker drunkard, friend? Yeah. The drunkard? Nope. Yeah. Not him. That's... Or the one that hit the drunkard, or the drunkard, no. You remember the stone cold samurai, the one who really? looked the like, uh huh, the one who was truly a master. Introduced to no, no, not him. The Clint Eastwood, the Clint Eastwood yeah. samurai, oh, the one that had the chiseled. That's a good distinction. Yeah, yeah, the one he, that there was no way that he's not a real samurai. This is yeah. exactly right. He had never picked up a sword before that movie before. Wow, wow. isn't oh. that just fascinating? That is fascinating. And yet, he made it look. In his movements, in his ability to use that particular weapon or prop at that time, like he, he was born with it in his hands. And, and that's another beautiful piece of, of this is that all of these samurai, in quotation if you will, uh, were, they all made sense. They all filled a certain characteristic that needs to happen with – with a buddy film, if you will. You've got your leader, which is the bald guy who rubs his head a lot mm-hmm. and does the whole – you've got the drunk guy who's like the, whoo, I'm all over the place and yet ends up being a badass at the end. You've got that hard-ass chiseled guy who in, t- in turn ends up being such an integral part but says very few words throughout the entire thing. And and of course all of the others, you know, they fill mm-hmm. in the other necessary little gaps here and there. But like the young guy who's kind of like he's the yeah he's a little the, new the, yeah the yeah. young guy the old guy the 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 chiseled world weary guy if you will whatever. But again, it comes down to that he hit on personality characteristics in this that were that that are in every man. You know, and and so it could have been you could have taken all of those samurai and put them into one samurai, and you would have had a complete character. You would have truly had a great character, unstoppable character, if mm-hmm. you will. But uh, you know, kind of samurai Jackish, if you mm-hmm. will. Sure. But, mm-hmm. but yeah. still, uh, it, it's one of those things where uh, each of them individually, though, make up such a great ensemble and such a great movie that you you can't take your eyes away. I mean, I, I'm, I'm to this day, I'm still floored by this film, and I've seen it seven, eight, nine times or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, that's a lot of time to dedicate to the film. I know, but again, it's one of those. But isn't it a worthy it, cause? It, it's worthy. I think I've for seen me it now like three times because we've been waiting to do it for. Like I mean, three it's months. it's worthy. It's worthy for me because it it truly is such an influential film more than anything else. Yeah, you know? we started doing this trying to find movies that have some sort of social or historical significance um, and relevance in our culture, and this is like. A beaming example. Oh, huge mm-hmm. example. I mean, look at all the spaghetti westerns. Speaking of Clint Eastwood, you wouldn't have any of those if you didn't have Seven Samurai. Yeah, so I didn't know this, that uh, another one of Kurosawa's, Kurosawa's Kurosawa. films. Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Yohimbo? Oh, yeah. Is, uh, was remade into Fistful of Dollars. Oh, yeah. essentially that started the spaghetti yeah, western. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a spaghetti <laughs> western. That's exactly what it is. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I do have a couple uh, trivia questions okay, that go. I came up with. I didn't give Dakota any notice, but okay, cool. we've been trying to do this lately. Throw some trivia on here. Okay. Uh, this one, we need a trivia like uh, segue song, too. We I'll, do. I'll work yeah. on that. Okay, cool. Um, okay. It's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Which of these two male actors has has appeared in more feature films? Lance Hendrickson or Robert England? Ooh, Lance Hendrickson. You think so? I do. I say Lance Hendrickson. Robert England's pretty much only famous for the uh, the uh, Friday the Thir- or not Friday, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, you know it's a little interesting trivia. He was actually he auditioned for Harrison or uh, for. Uh, <clears throat> Han Solo. Yeah. Really? I know. Yeah. He was, he was actually... Yeah, he was in the running for Han yeah, Solo. He yeah, he was got he it, was seriously too. in the running for it, but... Now, they, how, how weird they, would have that been? You wouldn't know? that have been a creepy thing? Yeah, Here's that would have been... Freddy Eve, uh, you Yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I, I, I say th- Lance I thought Henderson. there was some, like, trivia, like, he... It was, it was Robert England's idea for Harrison Ford to 
audition because Harrison Ford was still a carpenter at that time. He was still a set yeah, carpenter. He was just working on sets and whatnot and on, the, on a lot. George yeah. Lucas's cabinets. Yeah. yeah. They had them come in and actually – they didn't have him actually read for the part – they had him as a you know one of the side readers right, to yeah. read while other actors came in and they're just mm-hmm. like man we gotta keep we gotta him. keep it's this him. guy he's yeah. doing a great job yeah right, ego so aside he was, just, he was actually just getting a little bit of money on the side he's like, absolutely Would you just come in and read and I'll, I'll yeah pay okay extra. whatever like, yeah okay I'll do it all right fine so so what do you think Dakota uh, I, I say Lance not Robert England. It's going to be Robert England though but <laughs> I, I, really I think want to say Robert England I think it's Lance Henderson. Well, Robert England has been in 156 oh, feature-length films. Oh, you're kidding me. No, what? Well, the thing is, he's not, in, he is best known for that. But as far as like, uh, movies that he just... In the last 15 years, especially, too, he's become like a staple for uh, B-movie status. Yeah. Okay. So he's All been right, in 156, fine. but Lance Hendrickson comes in at 227. Oh! Well, yeah. High five, myself. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read the top five highest grossing domestic horror films of all time. All right. Uh, but one of these five is not an like actual, is, n- is not like the others. Okay. Number five at Blair Witch. Number four, the original Halloween from 1978. This is adjusted for inflation, by the way. Gotcha. Number three with The Exorcist, two with Jaws, and one with The Sixth Sense. Ooh, I'm gonna uh, say Jaws. Is are we talking about like the which one is the highest, the highest? domestic gross? Oh, gotta be Jaws. You think Jaws is not think, in the running? No, no, I think that is in the. That's the they that are, is the highest. Four of them are in the top five highest grossing. Only right. one of them is not. Oh well, I'd say Sixth Sense is not. I'm probably wrong I, there you know too. I'm gonna say Halloween. I think that was a. I think that was a discovered cult classic. I think the rest of them, bit, uh, The Exorcist, <coughs> clearly was one that really. That resonated with people at the time, yeah, so, yeah. Jaws, Sixth Sense was another one of those that really just, I mean, when you think M. Night well, Shyamalan, what do you think? Well, I think of Sixth Sense, hopefully, um, and, and not yeah. any of his other stanky productions. And yes, John, Halloween was John Carpenter. It was John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah, but, seminal, yeah. But at the same time, the rest of the, it wasn't a blockbuster like the rest of those were. No, no, that's true. Blair Rich wasn't a blockbuster. That Although was a, Halloween was very cheap to make, so that was something maybe that they came made under, up for That it. one came under the... That yeah. One, yeah, I obviously have door. ulterior motives. Blair Witch Project did sort of... You know what? Blair Witch Project, in a lot of ways, reminds me of, uh, like, The Ring. The oh, American yeah. Version, oh, yeah. Because it was a very low-budget film, but it was so well done that it did catch everybody off guard. Uh... I have to disagree with the well done part. Well, There's Sixth the, Sense? No. You disagree no, with that? No, no. He's saying Blair Witch. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh no, yeah. Okay, so. No, I said The Ring. Oh, you said The Ring the was ring, well done. The, yeah, The Ring for his low budget. Oh, no. Was, ring, I agree. No, no. Absolutely. Well yeah, but. Project, yeah. The, the, here's the thing. We just got done shooting a feature length found, foot, found footage film right. for our first season of a miniseries we're doing right now. Okay. And we tried raising money for it, and we really only got maybe a thousand. Okay. And with all of that, despite that, how, how exactly did it cost Blair Witch? Pro- what was it? Sixty thousand dollars? Something like that. Yeah, Thirty-five. Still ridiculous. Yeah. You know what we it's could still have done insane. with that? Oh, oh, I, I mean, understand. I'm yeah. sure a lot of that was the post because in this day and age. Uh, Filming is essentially free. It, it really is. I and mean, those SD cards are dirty. It was cheap. that film. Truly. Too, still but doing shooting it. on film stock. And they were doing, like, VHS, too, at that point, too. Yeah. But, I mean, still, at that same time, it's just like... I know. Okay. Man, I know. Right. I've wondered that many, many a time. So, so what's the answer? Anyway, the answer is uh, Halloween is not like the others. No. Yeah. The actual well number four well done, top grossing horror film, yeah. believe it or not, is What Lies Beneath. What? Wait, What Lies... What, what, what lies beneath? You is mean the, the, with the Harrison, one Harrison Ford, Ford and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer? Yes, that's that is a stanky to, film. I know, I that's know, not good at all. <laughs> it's not <laughs> highest rated though. It's okay. highest grossing. Okay, still, fair enough. Well, because it had Michelle Pfeiffer and, and Bob Zemeckis. I don't know. I mean, I guess you can go make a horror movie, but don't make that. No, no, don't make that. Yeah. All right, my last one. Uh, this is two truths and a lie. Okay. One of these statements is not true. Okay. October 10th is Tom Cruise Day in Japan and is rigorously celebrated throughout the entire country. That's true. 
Jackie Chan has appeared in over 300 movies worldwide. This is also true. Christopher Plummer's least favorite role that he's ever played, Mr. Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. He said it was awful and gooey. Famous man. Okay, I'm going to go with the last one as being the falsehood because I think that launched him into stardom. So I think the first two were totally true. Jackie Chan has only... Oh, you weren't going to say the Jackie Chan one, were you, Dakota? He might have. I will believe you. He might have been. You are my ride or die. He's only appeared in how many films? The reason why I was going to say that the last one had to be true is because that was indeed a very ooey-gooey... Yeah, it really is. The thing is, he... Look at the guy, first off. He wouldn't... He's a manly man. As much as that would have, like, you know, ramped up his career... There is no. I know he was a manly pl- man. Yeah. I know plenty yeah. of careers that have you know skyrocketed with actors who were divas who just simply hated every single look at. I hate bringing it up, but look at Charlize Theron. She's done a lot of really good oh, yeah. work, but she's te- everyone hates working with her. Oh, you same with Harrison Ford for that Mad matter. Mad Max, they uh, Mad Max. Uh, um, uh, Tom Hardy almost walked off set multiple times. Really, because of Charlize Theron? Oh God, yeah. Really? They almost said to stop sure production. I'm sure she's tough because she is. Um, she's just brass tacks. She's kind of nutty, just like. Uh, well, well, I'm going to say here some just like some of the I, finest I actors in our day. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me that he was like. Okay, so you know, which is the one that's fault? That would be the uh, Jackie Chan one. Yeah, that's he's been in like 156. That's all. Which I was kind of surprised too, and that is. Because isn't he like in everything IMDb. that he produces and directs and everything else in some yeah. way, shape, or form? Yeah, his first. He was. Think, he think. was in Cannonball Run one and two. In your career, what? was yeah. He was not. He was. I'm gonna have to go back. He was more. a limo driver in the first one, and he had a speaking role in the second one. Uh, I know is, we want to <laughs> say like 300 films, but you got to think in your lifetime. Uh, 50 films is a lot of films. That's a lot of movies. Yeah, so yeah. Think about no, that's Darren a lot of movies. is like one of the most prolific directors of our time. He's done like six movies. <laughs> well, look at, yeah, Quentin Tarantino. He did, you know, it was The Hateful Eight. This is right. number eight. Coming back to Seven Samurai mm-hmm. and Magnificent Seven. Yeah. <laughs> Hateful Eight, you know, I got a, Yeah, know, it was another yeah. one of those things that it's, you know what, they're, what makes those great is that they are not only period pieces, that are sticking true to the time period, right. but also that they are ensemble casts. I love, love, love when you bring a lot of big personalities into a room and let them go. Yeah, you don't even you just hold the camera. And you you just but hold it so the rarely works anymore. Like by uh, the time they did Ocean's Thirteen, I was like, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, well, Ocean, yeah, you didn't like Ocean's Eleven to begin with. I did. I did like it. Who was it that didn't like it? Maybe Ben. Ben. I think Ben might have been the one who didn't I, like it. I love. I get that. nervous. I get I nervous that it's not going to work. That. You know what? It works for the first one. Mm-hmm. Always. If you do it if you do it for the first. Because it's look new. It's, a mad, it's mad, fresh. Mad, mad, mad world. Mm-hmm. Oh God! But then you or have like Rat Heat. Race, oh. which was equally brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh know, yeah. Both of those movies were brilliant. But if they had, I guarantee, had they done a sequel to either one of those. Oh yeah, Just without a right doubt. Down the without drain. a doubt, yeah. I think the genre is important too because I liked Rat Race a lot, but I can think of a lot of comedies that you can. It even translates on screen that this is just a big dick measuring contest. Like, oh yeah. yeah, I don't know who got paid more. You know, there were so many uh, disagreements with oh, the yeah. first Avengers movie that Joss Whedon was. He was doing this interview and he like almost checked into rehab from anxiety. I believe it. The no, movie I like destroyed yeah. him as a man. So well, I can't and yet imagine. he's still and he's still involved in all of them too now. So uh, you know what? It, that's all well and good. We all know that Robert Downey Jr. has got the biggest ego on the planet. Yeah. yeah. But let's also be honest. He can have the biggest ego on the planet because he's fucking fun to watch on the screen. Yeah. You know there's there. A for that. There's a reason for that. The man is just absolutely. He's entrancing to watch on the screen. And I'm like, dude. They should have you know? him played the planet ego instead of Kurt Russell. <laughs> Truly. Oh. Um, uh, speaking of Kurt Russell, can we talk about the uh, Big Trouble in Little China that's being remade and not including John Carpenter at all? What? He hasn't even been contacted. That's criminal. Crit, uh, the uh, I'm sorry, They're Dwayne Johnson has mm. been cast as the Kurt Russell character. What? They are doing a lot of remakes that I am not happy with, uh, like Rocky Horror one. Picture Show. Should let the. Alone. They're they're doing, they're doing a doing, Rocky Horror they're remake. Remaking 
Rocky Horror. There's Picture nothing Show. wrong with the it's original. Already, it's already, isn't it already done? It's like coming on so. in a couple days. Yeah. It's, no. No. Please no. There's Look like Ghostbusters. There's like a quick scene and, of. Okay. Although, All right, you I know like what? the I Ghostbusters. Ju- I just watched the remake of the Ghostbusters. Yeah. I was I underwhelmed. Really liked it. Okay. I was underwhelmed, and the only character I truly enjoyed was the creepy blonde with the glasses oh kate mckinnon kate mckinnon's character she is absolutely brilliant throughout the whole of them are brilliant entire show i loved bridesmaids i loved it this was that was brand new this was not bridesmaids no it was flat it was there was a lot of yeah well it was almost like everyone standing in it was like i don't really want to do this the only one that stood out as being somebody who was enjoying herself being there was the kate mckinnon character yeah kate mckinnon was good she just cracked me up the entire time Kristen wig has like mastered the cringeworthy awkward oh god yeah oh yeah Um, but she goes overboard with that and if she's trying to play the vinkman character if that's See, what I her think, character was, kind of. Yeah, I The I pseudo-serious think, scientist Venkman character. I'm sorry. You can't. No. It's Bill Murray. And because his humor is dry and because, you know, it's... <laughs> no, I know. I, I, I'm with I, you I on think this the first one. Time, yeah, I can't. think the first thing that the, the mistake... Because I'm certainly not going to say that it was, like, amazing and, and wonderful, but I was... More impressed, way more impressed than I thought I would be. And I think with remakes, especially ones that are so close to the heart, where nostalgia has a tendency to cloud our judgment. Yeah. um, I think that as soon as you start trying to figure out, like, all right, this Leslie Jones, who, which character is she trying to play? I think that that's as soon, that's right when your um, expectations start to go out the window. Well, and see, that was that was my other issue with this. Because you kind of can't help it. If, I'm not saying that it's like... If the original cast had stayed away, it would have been better. Really? Yeah. My my gut feeling is that if they never showed the bust of Harold Ramis in the in the hallway, mm-hmm. if they never had the Bill Murray character, if that they was never had the cab driver, that made if me... they never had the cab driver, if they never had the hearse, you know, the, the mortician, if you never had any of those come into play... Yeah, in any way, shape, or form, but had nods to the characters throughout. Oh, this would have been. Oh, this would have been. That would have been better than the actual actors or the 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 faces of the actors being in it. Sure. I'm sorry, I, I I was turned off by that more than I was brought in more because they're they're not their characters. Yeah. It's not like they're coming back as Venkman and and Which I'm kind of happy about. I was kind of happy about that. The Bill Murray role just gave me a stomach ache. I thought that was really awkward. He It his, was like it his was performance dumb. was like somebody off screen with a gun to his head. Really truly was. And at that I like the Dan Aykroyd only because when they when he said I ain't afraid of no ghosts, I was like, "Okay, cheesy line aside, this obviously exists in a universe where nobody has ever seen ghosts before. Absolutely. So it, it would have been interesting to have them in their roles, but then that turns the whole paradigm of like, okay, so everybody's freaking out about these ghosts, but them in this movie means that you all saw ghosts in 1984. Bring them back to an alternate universe, That's sort of Star Trek-y sort of thing. Was that, you know? Had they I actually mean, done that to where there was a crossover kind of thing? Right. That would have been That would have been great. cool. They tore fa- they tore fun. through the fabric of time and, and you then have... And all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. They yeah. stayed safe. Or Ghostbusters. Paul no, Feig stayed safe. Yeah. Okay, fine, but... But, I mean, I'm saying that's, uh, like, maybe a bad thing, you know. See, here's the thing. This, it was a bad thing, in my like opinion. There's been, like, a year of... You don't, do, do you realize they're making another remake of Friday the 13th? Why? And another remake of Halloween and another remake of King Kong. Oh, yeah. They just and did a Jumanji reboot, sequel. And a and Jumanji sequel. And they're doing... Uh, they just did an Independence Day resurgence. Another Jurassic World is coming out. Okay. After Jura- it's like, bro, did All you right. see no, Independence Day for the new Independence no, Day? No, I I'm going to say bro, but I'm going to like, that was... <laughs> One of the worst experiences. Of was my it life. bad? Didn't it was bother? so hard to watch. Okay, okay, good. But to not know. even like mad. I'm gonna watch like it. I, fe- I felt bad for the characters. No, I'm gonna watch it because you know I I watch films like that. But I, I, I was afraid. I didn't go to the theater to watch that one. Independence Day, the first one, is so good. Oh, it's it, oh, it's, oh, it's cheesy beyond a doubt. It is cheesy. It is a pure Saturday afternoon 
aliens attack the planet it movie. It feels good. But it's but what it wants to be. But it's a great feeling. It's, it's what it's, it wants it's, to be. I don't it's think what it's... it wants to be. That's exactly right. I, it's hard to recapture that, though. In a, in a sequel, it, it's again, it's trying to trap lightning in a bottle for the second time. They hit it right on the nose with the first one, even with – and the part that sticks in my craw the worst is when all of the fighter pilots say the same thing when firing their missiles. Fox 5, whatever, firing or whatever it is. You know, they're saying the same damn lines and and yet you know – in your heart, there's no fighter pilot on the planet that's ever going to announce into his microphone what he's doing at that time to other people. Yeah. Fires missiles. Oh, man. All and that's, an, that's another thing, too. But Some again, of these remakes yeah. and reboots, they're, they come out so long after. It's like, who asked for a Pink Panther sequel? <laughs> no one. I know that was a while back. No one back, has ever like, asked for a Pink okay. Yeah, I mean... Matrix Which, made an incredible okay. amount of money. You're going to have to make some more. I get it. Avatar, you're going to have to make some more. I well, get Avatar it. always like, was planning on doing more. I mean, sure, Cameron sure. was I mean, always into looking it, into the... Like, I'm going to make more. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, exactly. He makes money before they're even released. Truly. Right? I mean, on the speculation of his movies, he but makes money. That's. I mean, I've got to get back to the Seven Samurai thing. That's one of the big things, is the difference between sequels and reimagining. Oh, yes. God, Because yes. the thing is, if, like... Yeah, you're right with The Last Samurai as being kind of a retelling of that. I don't know about you guys. I really loved 47 Ronin. I haven't seen that. I That's the really, Keanu Reeves, right? Yes, I was yeah. really impressed with it. I mean, it, okay. yes, it was much more the mystical It's kind angle. of the fantastical with the, the, the magic and whatnot, but right? you felt for every they, – they really had a very tradi- – it, it was not a happy ending. Okay. It was okay. not a happy ending. Cool. But it was traditional. Okay. It was extremely traditional. And the other thing was that was really cool about it was that remember how we were talking about a whole bunch of people that you can connect with? Right. The Seven Samurai was great because you could have, you know, yes, you... you well, you, you can recognize each of the characteristics. Yeah, you there could was 47 of them, and you could still connect Recon- with them. Really? <laughs> that, that I thought was really genius because you're like somehow at the end you felt... For every single one of them. That ended up with the personality, huh? Yeah, you're like, how were they able to do... Okay, I'll have to check that out. I'm genuinely opposed to most Keanu Reeves movies now. I I liked him early on. You gotta watch if you haven't seen it. Uh, See John Wick. I I well no I like John Wick. Wick. No no I like John Wick very much. And they're redoing they're doing another one. Now I think that was planned. They were planned. No no that's fine. But yeah. they're doing another John yeah. Wick. I enjoy John Wick, but John Wick is not this great big blockbuster shoot 'em up film. No, he's somebody who's like, it's like it's, a Jason Bourne esque sort of thing. Yeah, but take Jason Bourne, inject him with pure evil, and then you've got John Wick. Truly, yeah. I mean that's what it boils down to. I mean, so yeah, no, true. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah no, he was, was very cool one in of those that. Things yeah. that just it, you're right. It wasn't like it, okay, it wasn't like. Jason Bourne the movie no it was like the first Bourne Identity was something that just kind of like was like right under oh it was the, just very subtle yeah no no super subtle and John yep. Wick was the same they had one trailer for it oh it I know it was like two weeks before the movie came out yep and then everyone was like hey we'll go see we have nothing to oh my god this is amazing this is great yeah, yeah. they didn't beat it to death like they do most films talk about some Thank, talk thankfully. about some of the best Gun Fu, I have ever seen. Oh yeah, no, that was cool. Yeah. Better, better than, than Equilibrium. Cool. Oh, it better than Equilibrium. Way, what? Oh. I liked Equilibrium. Really? Yeah. Uh. Yeah, you want to see some good Gun Fu? You watch John Wick. Yeah, John Wick it, is good. Oh, there are there are actual ending. viral videos online of of uh, Keanu Reeves with actual firearms. Oh, have you seen that? He's not one of those guys who's just like you know. Uh-uh. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm going to make this look good. No, no. Gun. He literally he is good is with firearms. Yeah. <laughs> he is terrifying with firearms. And apparently, he's the nicest guy, oh, too. He's, he is apparently, very he's very humble. He's down to home. Mm-hmm. He, he'd he buy you a sandwich rather than spit on you, uh, what, which what, is easier, of course. Yeah. What was the, uh, I want to meet the guy that's like, nah, I'd rather spit on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. well, no, Bill Murray wouldn't I, do that. Yeah, Actually, Bill Murray shows up at people's houses. Unannounced and crashes parties, which is good and bad. All oh, I don't, I'm not saying Bill Murray as a person. I'm saying Bill Murray's character would probably just go. Oh yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and just well, walk away. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I hate to end on that note, but that's pretty much it for us. Okay. Um. So we're like 17 days into October. 
I've been Something doing like that, that 30 yeah. Days of Horror challenge. Oh, yeah. And how are you doing? Good. I'm yeah? two movies behind. Oh, well, that's not too bad. I think uh, my favorite so far has been Halloween 3, The Season of the Witch. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. It doesn't have Michael Myers. Okay. But John Carpenter had this idea to every year release a Halloween movie called Halloween by a different director with a different theme that all revolved around Halloween. Oh, okay. So the third one did really, really bad. Right. But the soundtrack is like all new wave retro synth, as you would expect. (laughs) But it's regarded as like one of the best. I was telling Ben about it, and he's like, dude, that is my absolute favorite soundtrack of all time. What? I can listen to that. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Yeah. I have it downloaded. It's absolutely amazing. And it becomes a parody in itself. Who Um, who, who, uh, is the... uh... John Carpenter does the score. He did the score himself? Yeah, John Carpenter did the score. What? Yeah. So the movie is, like, incredibly cheesy, and some of the plot points are like, okay, who did not pass their drug test, and (laughs) who is not taking this? But it was like, for as bad of a movie it is, it was so fun to watch. Oh, yeah. I could see that. That was probably the most entertaining. But, yeah, American Werewolf in London, I'd never seen that. Was that not great? Holy crap. John it was Landis. awesome, wasn't it? One of the best werewolf It is absolutely ever. an amazing werewolf transformation. I mean, that, that revolutionized how, I mean, it went from the fade in to the, from the, the old uh, Lon Chaney werewolf Yeah, and thing. even after that movie, there was a big gap where nobody I tried know. that again. Yeah. And I think that a huge distinguishing factor for that and the reason that I like that movie so much is because I can't think of a horror movie with more likable characters. Oh, yeah. And I think because he obviously did Animal House and Kentucky Fried Movie and all of these (laughs) comedies. Right. You know, some of the humor is not like laugh out loud humor, but it's not, you know, like the character Randy from Scream. Oh, yeah. Really interesting character. character, Yeah. But I don't want to follow him around for a whole movie. No, no, absolutely. He's he's annoying. He's 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 not only annoying, he's meant to be. Has anybody else found it very interesting that all of a sudden there has been this excess of TV shows made from movies? Like all of a sudden... Like Teen Wolf? Yeah, Teen Wolf, Scream. Okay. Yeah, uh, super weird. Limitless. Well, um, I think Fargo they were... Fargo is good. Fargo is... Dude, Fargo... But... Fa- the premise of Fargo to begin with was good. Did you though. watch the Fargo it's, show? It's, I haven't watched oh, the series. Oh, my God. Season two. But you it know what? It is like mind-numbing. Yeah. Talk about cinematography. Okay. It is like... They captured the Hair essence raising. of the Coen Brothers and oh, yeah. made it. And show again, coming back to Coen Brothers, I mean, because we were talking yeah. about the Matrix, but yeah. I mean, it, well, again, that was Wachowski. Oh, Wachowski's. I'm sorry. Yeah, I would love to Coen. watch a yeah. Coen Brothers Matrix. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking. I'm sorry. I was thinking more raising Arizona brothers. So mm-hmm. now that we've stra- strayed so far afield, are we going to come right. back to our th- final thoughts here, or what are we? Yeah. Do? So next week, I would like to do the guest. Directed by Adam Wingarden. I'm not familiar with that one. It came out in 2014. It's structured as a horror movie, plays out as a thriller, kind of an action comedy. Wow, Uh, weird. Yeah. It's a a modern movie, (laughs) but uh, the score is composed on the very same organ that the Halloween 3 score was composed. Excellent. And the whole soundtrack is very when 80s did this retro. Come out? 2014. Okay. Really? Yeah, Adam Wingard did your next. He did a VHS segment. He did a. He did the Blair Witch remake, which uh, we won't talk about. Uh, Wait, is that the new one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I heard. That. Um, I, Bad I, I, I want to preserve my uh, mental image yeah. of the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, anyway. Right. The guest. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're gonna. We're going to watch it. It's uh, okay. spooky, kind of fun. I'm really interested to hear your uh, feedback on that oh, cool. one specifically. All right. Yeah, it's something I've never heard of. So amen to that. I'm always good And if you want to come back, you're, of course, more than yeah. welcome to. Please, oh, come back. Yeah. But um, anyway, so yeah, final thought. I had seen or seen parts of Seven Samurai, and um, I probably wouldn't have watched it when I did if it hadn't been for Stu. And it's definitely one of those necessities for anybody who considers themselves a cinephile. Well, come back next time for the guest. And, of course, you're listening to 90.7 WAZU. You can hear the rest of our episodes at our SoundCloud. And you can leave a comment on our Facebook page, the Movie Show Theater Facebook page. Give us a suggestion. Give us an idea. Tell us what to watch. We're not going to run out of ideas, but we'd like to. Oh, no. But you know what would be really fun is if we got, like, a plethora 
yeah. ideas from our, our our limited amount of fans that are out there. I would love to hear you guys shout out, hey, watch this. Hey, watch that. We would love to do that, by the way. Yes. Love to. Yes, let's do that. So, uh, until next time, I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. And I'm a guest, Dakota Coolman. Yeah. And this has been Movie Show Theater.